Well, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Lions Experimental Podcast. For Jen Gerson, this is Matt Gurney. A big poll this week. People have been talking about it. We'll do a bit of talking about it. The Liberals, as we told you here, they would back off on the gun control amendment that ended up proving weirdly so disastrous for them. A new reality TV show has Jen basically throwing in the towel on humanity and why framing isn't the only thing that matters because objective reality kind of matters too. All that and more on the latest episode of the Lions Experimental Podcast. Well, Jen Gerson, here we are. Uh, great to be back at the end of, for me, a really busy day. It's hockey tournament weekend. Um, I th- it's funny, when, when my son joined hockey, people were like, it's going to eat your whole life. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Well, it, it, it has completely... Eaten, eaten your whole life my whole life yeah so i've got kind of like a little window here where we can pop on and talk about some stuff not a huge amount to talk about this week actually overall kind of a quiet week but a big breaking news story on friday that we'll get to in a minute can i throw just a little one at you first shoot this is something i don't want to spend a ton of time on because i don't think it's worth it um but it was an interesting thing that stuck in my mind i've mentioned this to you already I have a colleague in Toronto who has needed to take some time off for, for personal reasons, and he works at a radio station downtown. And myself and some other people have been filling in on a rotating basis to basically sit in the host chair. And last week, I was in uh, one of the host chairs. I had a, a co-host, a regular at the station who was there. And we were interviewing a Toronto City Councillor who was talking about the recent spate of violence that's been happening in, in the, the system here. And we don't have to get into the Toronto details because the Toronto details don't matter. It was more a comment the councillor made that made me kind of go, oh, okay, this is why we're screwed. So the councillor is among a few other councillors who has written a letter to Mayor John Tory saying that uh, Toronto is going the wrong path. Don't put more cops on the TTC. Are we really going to get value from that? Send in crisis counselors, things like that. It's pretty bog standard criticism of the police deployment and fair enough as it goes. But what the counselor said at the very end of the interview, I thought was so revealing, where she said, our job is to ask questions. N- no, it's not. No, no, that's, that's that's our job. That's our job. That's our job. Yeah, like uh, we are the, the question askers. The yeah. job of elected officials and the staff, the civil service and appointed staff that support them is to fix problems. Yes, yes. yes. We're supposed to ask the questions of them and then they're supposed to figure out the answers and then 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 solve them. That's so that's how that works. I don't I, I want to like resist the temptation to take like a, a comment made on a live interview by a relatively inexperienced municipal counselor and sort of stitch it into a broad societal narrative. But I kind of want to stitch it into a broad societal narrative, right? Because how many times have you or I in recent years been hammering on the issue that the people whose job it is to fix the problems are standing around going, well, we're upset about this as anybody. Yeah. We're just, we're asking questions. We're asking questions. Well, and how, and how interestingly disempowered that, that indicates that these people feel. Yeah. Right. Now, maybe being a Canadian municipal councillor sort of not, leads naturally to a feeling well, of maybe Maybe these people are not the most uh, powerful people. I just, again, <laughs> like, I would never, I would never be in a position of power and think to tell people that my job is to ask questions. I would wake up every day freaked out that I was failing at my actual job, which was solving problems. And, well, and the other, the other interesting thing is to ha- to how much, 
how much of the actual running of the city is has been so delegated to the non-elected, for lack of a better term, civil service or or, mm-hmm. or municipal workers, such that the elected officials feel utterly disempowered, and so therefore they're just I don't know, just just asking We're questions, asking questions. Man, of, just asking questions of the people who actually run things. You know, yeah. that's all I can do. Right. I, don't know. I had I, I couldn't jump on it in the middle of the interview because it was right at the end of the interview. And like I said, I don't want to spike the football on a relative political rookie. Um, yeah. But just as a worldview. So anyway, I, again, I'll I'll let it go at that. I just wanted to mention that because it's it's been bothering me all week. I have two big items on my list, um, but I, I let off. What do you got on your list? Anything interesting going on? Just the uh, CBC radio documentary producer who got randomly attacked and died. Yeah, yeah, that was that was, you know, that was right over the bridge from my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So things are continuing to go well in Toronto. What else did I pin? Is there anything happening in Alberta? There's nothing really too new to report on the CBC stuff. Um, oh, the, uh, the dispute about... between Premier Smith and the CBC. No development. Yeah, yet. I, no. I I think that's going to go to the ombudsperson, but I don't know if that's come out yet. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I got sucked into a. Uh, to a youtube rabbit hole about milf manor and i now think that we have fallen too far from god milf but maybe that's a column tell me what milf manor is tell oh, me tell oh, me in 10 to... seconds okay so it's a tlc reality television show do you want me to spoil it for you uh no but tell me what it's about like if i was okay, reading so milf, the blurb milf, and tv mo- guy moms i'd like to f you know so it's women sort of in the 40s to and what does the f to... stand for really M I have to tell you what the L- F stands for. F moms, I'd like to. I'm not getting it, Jen. What's it stand for? Shut up! You're being terrible. Moms, I'd like to. You know, we've been we've friendship. had subscribers get angry at us for swearing, and I'm trying to be good lately. I'm trying to be so much better. Wait, Jen, is the word fuck? <laughs> is that what the word is? But who would want to do that to these? mothers who are just raising their children and their families all right i'm, Matt, I'm outraged you deserve you deserve what i'm about to send you you right. deserve every single moment of what i'm about to send you what are can you i spoil this for you and okay, if you if, if if you don't want to have milf manor spoiled please skip ahead by about five minutes because i'm going to get into it okay go for it so in the first episode it brings together you know these very attractive women in their 40s up to their late 50s upstanding citizens upstanding non-definitely high quality women who you would want in your in your young son's life of course the 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 the, the conceit here is that these are older women who like to be with younger men right so of course tlc brings out like the the younger men in shadow form and as the 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 sheet lifts wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute i'm interrupting you but i i'm gonna guess i know where this is going can i guess is it like a weird dating show where these older women are paired up with younger men, but they don't know that the younger men are somehow connected to the other women? The sheet reveals their sons. So, are the sons flirting with their mother's friends, or is it so even worse than that? Is it like they're just flirting with their moms? No, no, it's, I mean, there definitely is some Oedipal tension there, for sure, for a couple of these sons. But, like, in episode two, it's this one mom 
confessing that she slept with her son's best friend in front of her son. The son freaking out. The whole Stifler's mom thing going on there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, anyway, so, but like, that's so you a, have all that's of these... That's a pop culture reference. Men, and these oh, men are in their, like, early 20s. And they're hitting on these older women, like, in front of their moms. And the moms are watching their sons hit on their same age peers. And they're being completely grossed out by this. But meanwhile, they're also partaking. Yeah, and they're all pretending that this is fine somehow. It's it's extremely good reality TV and utterly unethical. Like, right. people I, will be psychologically damaged by this show. I need a Gerson. I need a full Gerson takedown of this. I'm, I'm going to authorize you to use the company credit card to get bottle wine, snacks, and just settle in, watch a bunch of episodes. I think nothing has so come so close to converting me away from atheism to fundamentalist Christianity. You know, <laughs> that's funny. So we were, ta- uh, one of my friends this week is was it, talking. Is it funny? Yeah, because one, free we speech were... has gone too far, Matt. This is we, it. This is my line. We, my, my friends and I, in one of our group chats this week, we were talking about scandalous music videos. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not into music videos. Like that's, I'm sorry. Like I... I don't. I don't have that much joie de vie in my life. Like I'm way more focused on bombs and bad stuff. But basically, I got told to go watch some music videos, and I watched some Nicki Minaj music videos, and these are like ten years old. And I came mm-hmm. away from it just a complete evangelical Christian. So I know exactly what what you're talking about. Like um, I, I, I kind of expected to hit this point sometime when I was in my sixties or seventies. You know what I mean? Like I expected the culture had to to reach a degree of decadence that abhorred me somewhere in my 60s or 70s like that would be normal that would be the normal course of things you ain't how even am I 40 peaking out? but how am i peeking out before i'm even 40 yeah. you know what i mean i got some friends who would actually really get along with you well um okay that Are sounds like fun like i i oh no they're in their 30s um yeah like i'm in my 30s and i'm looking at this stuff and i'm going like okay then the only thing i would try to remind we, myself we, we've gone too far from god let me just, yeah, okay, fine. Look, I'm looking forward to the column, and I don't want to talk you out of the column, but remember how freaked out people were by Elvis's hips. Like, there, there's oh, some oh, version of this is that that's eternal, right? Yes, no, no, no. Like, there's 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 um an argument to be made that the cultures are always shifting, but there has to be a bottom, right? Somewhere. Uh, worse is always possible. Does there have to be a bottom somewhere before we just he- he- reach? I mean, maybe this is actually the question I would ask during the during the columns. Like, yes, I understand that every generation is perpetually horrified by the pop culture of the generation coming after it. Usually it takes a little bit longer, I would like to say. But there has to be some point at which the, the bottom is reached, right? Like, the point where a mother and a son fuck on TLC has to be the end, right? Just it took and yet, you no, four like, minutes I literally, to use because, the word. I mean, no, but the answer is no, because I know how this gets worse. And that's TLC's next follow-up show where it's like Dilf Manor and it's middle-aged men skeezing on their their 19-year-old daughter's friends. Like, I, I know that has to be coming in the name of gender balance. Like, Yeah, equity. Equity, absolutely. So, like, like I, I don't know, like, like what, is there a point at which we cannot embrace any more decadence? You know what I mean? And that's yes. what this is. Like, Oh, no, yeah. Mm. Like, no, no, or no? no, I don't think there is. No, no, no. It just keeps like what? What's the end state? 
where, like, what is the end state? If I could live for 200 years, where would the end state of this be? Remember that we are about in some way to embark on a whole era of semi-virtual living. So imagine the, Oh, wow. Imagine the depravity we'll be allowing ourselves to indulge in, in the metaverse. Yeah. We're talking about like murder sex. No, I'm thinking of altered carbon actually. Um, The first season of, uh, I actually, so Westworld got surprisingly canceled after its fourth season. It was kind of a weird, not a cliffhanger, but it's a weird ending for the fourth season. It really needed a fifth season to kind of tie it up, but I guess it was costing too much money. The later seasons of Westworld have been very controversial. The first season is is universally recognized as the best. And with, I'm trying to give you the spoiler-free version of this. Well, I In know the, enough about Westworld. West, yeah, yeah it, Westworld. Like, they're, they're robots. The, well, it's the near future, and very rich people visit, like, a simulated environment of the Wild West. It's on an island where they've recreated, like, a, a town in the Wild West, and they have, like, homesteads and rebel groups around it. And you interact with NPCs, non-player characters that are completely lifelike sentient robots, and they can be killed. You can have sex with them. You can torture them. Um, and it, it, yeah, it's basically how depraved, so you think we're depraved now? Imagine how depraved we'll be when there's no moral consequence for the depravity. But the other problem is like just, and this this goes into the, the porn issue, right? Like there is a point at which, for lack of a better term, the decadence starts to melt the brains of people who are partaking in it. You know, would people be into so many kinks nowadays if they didn't have constant access to pornography that was forever pushing their hedonic treadmill further and further and further? Hey, look at the stats for younger people. I'm not convinced they're having as much sex as we would have. Well, and that, but this is the problem is that like there's when you live virtually, you don't need to actually live in live the decadence in in physical reality, right? Like like everything becomes. Um, yeah. I did the Kinsey report that came out a couple of years ago that was so controversial about this. It basically said, what, what's the generation behind us, millennials, Gen Z? Yeah. Their rates of um, of sexual activity are down and like uh, mm-hmm. date of first intercourse is later. Th- like things like that. They are a less sexual generation. But they yeah, have neo-puritans. They put all that. But they also into... have more virtual online sexual encounters and they think that's yeah. sex. And uh, to me, that sounds crazy, but maybe we're just out of time. Maybe 30 years from now, that'll be the norm. I don't know. I keep on going back to this Mike Winters cartoon. It's one of my favorite cartoonists, although he doesn't really produce oh, yeah. stuff anymore. No, I know. But he Mike. does this. But he has this great. He has this great uh, cartoon where, where you know, he's a normal person like us, but in uh, 20, 2070 or something, and like the brother and sister are having sex with one another, and he's like, "In my day, brothers and sisters didn't have sex with one another," and he's and they're just like, "Whatever, Gramps," and they're speaking a language he doesn't understand, and he's like, "Like anyway, it was a wonderful. It was perfect, right?" Because I'm increasingly feeling like that grandpa. It's pretty amazing. But um, yeah. Anyway, maybe the maybe the column is more serious than I'm oh, letting on. This is, this is going to be a banger column. Like I, you're going to have to think about this for a while. Yeah, it's got. I'm going to have to marinate on it a bit. Okay, because I mean, you, I also have to admit, like it's it's enormously entertaining television. I can't do, blame uh, myself as an individual for being entertained by this, nor can I blame myself as an individual for sending it to everyone I know. And like my best response came from one of my friends who who watched this like clip that I sent him. And he's like, we might as well just start using Chinese money. Ah. It was great. Well, as your column earlier in the week pointed out, China's going to have problems all its own. Yeah, China's going to have problems all its own. And then I had another one who's like, I just forwarded this to like a a group chat of all of my friends and they all hate you now. They hate you for letting them know that this exists. 
and they're all binge watching it. Yeah, well, they're all binge watching it. All kidding aside, so we were talking about the scandalous music videos. I watched one of them and it was terrible, but God, has that song ever been in my head? So there's so some the, hoes in this house. There's some hoes in no, this house. No, it was the one it was that someone pointed out to me. They said to me, I remember when JLo's booty was yeah. controversial and I watched yeah. it. And I'm thinking, like, so I'm watching it. Like, I'm watching it, like, for, for, for research purposes, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. I was watching booty for research purposes. And it has this weird sci-fi open where it's like there's a countdown. They're going through a wormhole. There's like faster than light stuff happening. And then it's like 10, 9. And it's all this like lights and sounds. And then they go 2, 1. And then it's just two women in bathing suits rubbing their bums on each other. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Like that's. Do you know what? There's something about really modern culture, honestly, that from a 38-year-old perspective, it all feels like parody. Well, it's just kind of like, like I just, all of the modern culture now, it feels like parody of what we thought was cool twenty years ago. I just thought it was a lot of build up and faster than light travel for bum rubbing, and they're in bathing suits. It's not even that exploitive. Like it's weird, I guess. But it's just, anyway. But I mean, yeah, booty's been in my head all week, uh, so that that's great. I guess that's why you've been basically not available. It was Nicki Minaj's fault. That that was horrifying. So let's talk a little more seriously here. So I I am strongly encouraging you. You strongly encourage me to go watch some women rubbing their booty when I know. I do. But for for work purposes, I strongly encourage you to go um, write this column about, um, what was it called? Milf Manor? Milf Manor. Milf Manor. Okay. Milf Manor. It's a 30 um, Rock joke. Come like... to, you know, it literally is a 30 Rock joke right. come to life. Okay. That, I think that's going to that be a ha- every, everything, everything that we have now is either totally derivative, reboots of stuff in the past, or parodies of things we enjoyed 20 years ago. Okay. No, this is going to be a great column. Some of your cultural criticism columns have done really well for us, so I'm strongly I, I think that that's this. because I'm borderline Asperger's, and when I do like delve into pop culture, I'm like what so i don't know i don't know if my ability to basically look at something and just go is like an extremely well-developed and useful survival mechanism or an extreme personality failure on my part like should i be horrified by stuff like would it would it be better to be horrified by stuff and react strongly or is it really healthy that i just go well different folks like as conservative as I am on some fronts, I don't care whose bum you're rubbing against. No, and I don't I don't actually care either. It's just like I'm just like, what kind of society are we in that this is what I have to be entertained by? Like the I don't know, like Decadent. the, the, you the said morality it. of this is just so obviously wrong that this was ever produced and it's so exploitative and just, just clearly psychologically damaging for the people involved. I mean, that aside, I mean, it's TLC. Look what they did to Honey Boo Boo. Look what they, like, it's just what it is. But this is, like, it feels very last days of Rome to me, you know? Like, when Mother was fucking sons and, like, you know, like, you just, I don't, I don't know. There has to be some some ethical framework. There has to be something, right? Maybe there doesn't. I don't know. Well, look. You and I both agree that in the medium term, we're going to be heading into a more challenging social era. 
that may, on the one hand, disperse a lot of the really stupid cultural stuff we're dealing with. Because, like, I don't know if a society grappling with existential issues has the time to worry about moms hitting on their son's friends. It might just seem too dumb at that point. The other possibility, of course, is that the worse things get, the more we lean into it. And that there will literally be no bottom. And yeah, I'm kind of going with that. That's what I'm going into. Yeah, I think that's where this is going. I think the, there might not be a bottom. So. I think our, the bottom is limited only by our capacity for creativity. You had the is... ability before I did to, to visit the metaverse. I finally got a chance to do that a couple months ago. And it was interesting. Like I, I spent about 10, 15 minutes wandering the metaverse. Um, mm -hmm. And I came away from it with the same feeling I have about the metaverse, which is that this could be transformative when it's better, but it's not there yet. Mm -hmm. um, but when the metaverse becomes an actual outlet for bad and And it, things, it, it, it has to be, because let's be blunt, like any transformative technology is colonized by porn first and it tends to be porn that that um attracts the money and the resources to do yeah. uh the actual stuff i mean if you look like videos on the internet some some forms of social media um all of this stuff was 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 championed by pornography well you know the old joke mainstream. the internet was built by sex addicts and trekkies yeah, it, it it's true, and I like like Facebook's actually um, taken a bit of a stance against porn on the on the metaverse. Like they they they've they've been against it, but because they've done that, they've cut themselves off from enormous amounts of potential capital and funding. Once the devices, the actual headsets, become advanced enough, and mm -hmm. probably other haptic feedback systems, which is a very delicate way of describing sex toys that are Wi-Fi enabled, um, you won't need Facebook. There'll be alternate ecosystems and eventually yeah, there'll be facebook alternate will, ecosystems yeah. facebook will just buy into it eventually like yeah, once they'll it's have to. They'll have to. like once there's some 30 billion dollar a year textbook thing yeah. happening facebook will just buy it yeah so all right well that's going to be an amazing jen gerson column terrifying mm -hmm. in some ways but i'm looking forward to that um i want to tell you about uh, i just want to go sew man and garden you want to go left what? alone i want to sew and garden and be left alone i want to be a 70 year old woman why can't I just be a 70-year-old woman now? You'll get there. That's the good news is you're already on the right course. When you want it, when all you want to be is older, you'll never be disappointed. Um set your expectations accordingly. Speaking of expectations, I was right about the liberals and guns. Yeah, you were. That's hilarious. <laughs> so for Oops. For for listeners who uh, and viewers who don't know what I'm talking about, early Friday morning in a surprise move. Um, well, I should rephrase surprise. We didn't know it was coming today. I did expect it to come. The liberals reversed 100% on their controversial gun control amendments that they introduced in November. The one-minute recap of this is that in November, the very same week, the prime minister was at the Public Order Emergency Commission, and that was the story. The liberals took a gun control bill about handguns. That was already through witness stage, already on to second reading, and they proposed an amendment to that bill that was the largest overhaul of Canadian gun control laws in 30 years. And it took me like a week or so to kind of get caught up in it because I kept looking at it and going, what the fuck? No, no, no. They can't really be doing this. I kept like flipping through the pages. I was like, really? And what made me suspicious, Jen, you'll remember we talked about this at the time, 
it was that what they were proposing was enormous. And these are the guys who talk up the smallest accomplishment. And they were proposing something that was actually a generational transformative change. And they weren't talking it up. They were underplaying it. Mm-hmm. And I realized that they didn't know what they were doing. And I don't know, and I still don't know, because it was it, they made one of two mistakes. I don't know which one it was. Either they literally didn't understand the enormity of what they were proposing, or they didn't understand the amount of blowback that it would get back. And it's the same kind of error. It's only talking to people who already agree with you and concluding that anyone who disagrees with you is like American bots and misinformation and stuff. The liberals had a massive blind spot on this. It blew up in their face by December. We called it here at the line and we said the liberals are going to find a way to walk this back. They're going to have to kind of like let it breathe for a while. They're going to try and probably let it go after Christmas. No one will be paying attention and then they'll pull it back. And this morning they pulled it back on Friday morning. I don't, I don't know if I actually have anything left to say about this because I think I said it all like eight times already. The only thing that is maybe worth mentioning that is new other like we'll recap the timeline here we'll just tell people what happened what does it tell us about like we know you saw that abacus poll earlier in the week we see that the conservatives have opened up a big lead the biggest they've had since they were a majority government Mm -hmm. we also see on the issues polling that the liberals are losing on everything they're losing even on issues they probably should be winning on i mean all the Mm -hmm. important stuff any issue that is top of mind with canadians right now the liberals are not doing well yeah, that's that's actually probably our lead our lead item for the dispatch is the amicus pool. And FYI. Yeah, probably. And on top of that, this guns have been one of their most reliable go-tos. Yeah, and, and they've even, they've the, the well's dry. Not only is yeah, it is. I think that's right, but I also think on this one they made enemies. Yeah, especially and, with First Nations people. First Nations, Indigenous people, mm-hmm. Maritimers, Quebecers, mm-hmm. other I, – like I've told you this before. I don't think the broader non-gun-owning public understands that Canadian gun owners are not a monolith. The no. hunters and the target shooters are different groups with different agendas. They've been unified on this one. So you've brought – and there are more Canadian gun owners than people realize. People always think there's like the gun-owning community in Canada is like 30 weirdos. There are millions of Canadian gun owners. A quarter of Canadian houses thereabouts have guns in them. Probably more, because I know for a fact a lot of people don't declare, which is illegal, but they don't trust the Liberals. So what happens, like how many times have I said in recent months, since we first wrote about it in uh, in June of last year, these guys are, they're on the glide path. Like they're not performing well. This should have been a slam dunk for them. They fucked it up. And I also just don't think there's any water left in that well. Or Someone... any well. And all of their go-tos seem well, to be dry. That's you know the interesting thing. You know what's next? What do they always go to? Guns abortion. and abortion. Yeah. So I don't think abortion works against Polyev. I, I don't think Canadians are, have warmed to Polyev, but I don't think anyone looks at him. And thinks this is this is a social conservative. I think they have other and if, concerns. And if, about and if you look at the meta narrative, what is it? It's economy, inflation, drugs, and disorder. These are all conservative sort issues. So I don't I don't think this is a win for the conservatives. I don't 
the conservatives are taking a victory lap and going because of our strong opposition. I think Carrie Price defeated Justin Trudeau, not Pierre Polyev. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to think I helped, but um, to me, the most interesting thing here is that the liberals now seem to be in a situation where they're eight points back. They're losing on every issue. They're exhausted. They're facing bad economic news this year. And they reached once again for that friendly go-to, and it blew up in their face. It Not only did it not help, it hurt them. So because I have a long enough political memory, the last time the liberals tried a big stunt on guns was 2005. And it was the Paul Martin's election campaign. Didn't work. Stephen Harper won. Trudeau reached big for guns again this time. Blew up in his face. So I don't know. The liberals left guns alone for almost 20 years after the 05 uh, fuck up. Are they going to regroup and come back on guns? Maybe. Or are they no, just I think gonna... I think they need they need to they need a sword issue. Yeah, I think so. And they're running perilously short. So I have one more item on my list. Do you have anything okay. left on your list? Yes, I do. And that Go is I don't know if you've been watching this drama unfold on Twitter about the OMG Overstore Story Media Group. Um, I, I do know that the Capital Daily, is that what it's called in Victoria? Yeah, Capital Daily, people. So, I mean, they've been, they've been undergoing like, um, pretty much all the media organizations they're, they're under fiscal pressures. Um, Uh, Our dispatch last year was post, uh, last year was post post media. So OMG has been sort of touted as, or seen as a bit of a savior because of course it's independent. It's, it's backed by a guy who's got independent wealth through, uh, I believe through tech funding, BC kind of stuff. Um, Oh, he's personally and, wealthy. Yeah, he's personally wealthy. That's right. Okay. And he's been putting his own money on the line for for to save oh, local journalism, him. essentially. Yeah, exactly. The problem, of course, is that now they're they're overextended and their revenue doesn't match their expenses. <laughs> oh, he shit. put his personal money in and lost it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the, the the company as a whole has to move to a more sustainable space. That's going to entail layoffs. But I mean, it's it's just at odds with some of the uh, early brash um, rhetoric that we saw coming out of OMG. Where they were like, we're going to save local media. We believe in you know non-clickbait and blah 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 blah. You know, it's 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 our job to do the business so that the journalists can do the journalists, that kind of thing. And of course, now they're engaging in pretty much exactly the same cross-cutting measures that all the previous organizations had, for obvious reasons. Um, But what is also interesting about this is that there seems to have been this 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 layoff group seems seems to have been accompanied by rumors that one of I believe maybe Capital Daily, but I have to double check this that one of these organizations was on the verge of um, unionizing and then subsequently was laid off on mass. Okay. So Ricochet and all the left have gotten all 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 over this. Ricochet has just published a a thing about it. This has gotten very Wilkinson and 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 Farhan who who are sort of the head guys at OMG they're very upset about it they're on Twitter they're kind of having a, an ill-advised meltdown is what I would point out if you're management you're laying people off delete your Twitter do not tweet do, do not tweet okay. I I haven't seen these when I'm telling you about. when I'm telling you don't tweet don't tweet when I'm saying <laughs> dude dudes but dudes stop yeah. stop you know even like, jen thinks you've gone too far even jen thinks you need to get off twitter um you know get some esclodopram get some anti-anxiety meds chill the fuck out um so anyway i i think that this is worth summing up because i mean to me it's becoming increasingly obvious that the, you know the, the savior isn't necessarily going to come from independent media either 
like the, the economics of the whole industry are so stretched in every single direction that there may not be a silver bullet. There may not be a company that's going to come along and replace Postmedia. The, the, what, what we are increasingly seeing form very independently and spontaneously is a lot of small independent outlets that are just kind of making it work on their own, usually with exceptionally low overhead, which, I mean, the line it's is us. me and you. Yeah, it's us. I mean, so the idea that we're going to replicate a 60-person newsroom, much less a 10- or a 15-person newsroom, is probably still in fantasy territory. Probably the amount of money available for journalism today supports newsrooms of less than five. Um, five, in, five sounds like a lot. Five sounds like a lot, yeah, depending on the the, the, the type and, and the niche and the, the geographic market. And, you know, and that also indicates to me the layoffs aren't aren't we're not speaking of not having reached the bottom we still we still have not reached the bottom on that yeah. front so that that's i'd like to fuck and reporters i need to lay off yeah exactly um so anyway i just i just kind of wanted to sum up the omg drama and uh basically leave on that cheerful note for the future of journalism <clears throat> you and i wrote a piece about this a couple of years ago uh specifically about the new digital guys they're yeah. not they're not they're not, saving us. They're not they, they don't seem to have the answers no there was this. They, real they have period. they have less of the legacy baggage yeah. and debt, for sure. And they they're they're for a while they're new and shiny and can attract a yeah. lot of uh, startup money because they are new and shiny. But I mean, we see what this is what's happened at BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed's just laid off a bunch of people. Their news divisions are toast. Vice is Box, little more than Vice, a content. BuzzFeed. Yeah, Vice is now a little more than a content mill. Huffpo is gone. Like. If you had put your hope in the future in, in these sorts of broad, large empire style new media organizations, you have been disappointed. Well, it's funny because you and I were both at newspapers when these guys were starting. And we remember the uh, the self-satisfied swagger yeah. of some of the ones who were jumping over to new media. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, you legacy guys. Well, welcome, guys. We're all legacy now. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I got a bail in a few minutes here. Can I sneak in my last one? Shoot. You want to talk about this earlier in the week, and I honestly wanted to gut check myself, and I talked to you about this because I wanted to not be unfair. I read a column or I should kind of a report, an analysis piece somewhere in the middle by Althea Raj of the Toronto Star, and it was earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. And it was, and here's the thing about the piece. I agree with everything it says. Like, I think it was a completely fair accurate piece and it was talking about how pierre polyev has uh with his uh everything feels broken attacks is sort of playing a well-known playbook against the liberals and the liberals are struggling to answer it Mm -hmm. and uh, althea also noted of course that there's a bunch of different committee hearings on different topics coming up including the travel related debacles over uh christmas uh the mckinsey stuff um there's going to be uh, what was that other that other big one? Uh, I, there was another big one. Oh, um, the CRA, all the the the, the missing uh, money mm-hmm. that went out in the, in the pandemic. And Althea noted, and I think she's right, that the liberals are already struggling to respond to this conservative message that everything is broken, and now there's all this other stuff coming up, and it's going to make it worse. And I read the piece um, when it came out on Monday, part of my my daily read. I kind of paused and I was thought, did I read that too fast? Did I miss something? And I went back to the top and I read it again, slowly and carefully reading every word, not just skimming it. Like I read everything else. And no, it wasn't there. 
Nowhere in this piece about how Pierre Polyev is hammering the liberals for sort of a narrative of failure, was there any analysis about whether or not the narrative has merit? It's just not there. The well, entire, the entire also, thing is a battle of framing and messaging. And I just, like... Okay, so there's there's a couple of points I would make in result. But firstly, that's not a critique of Althea Raj, because Althea Raj is probably uh, basing that analysis a lot on her sources, and her sources are clearly in the framing narrative space. So, like, that's not a critique of her work. That's just an observation for where her sources' heads are at, right? Secondly, is like, isn't that at the heart of everything, right? From from this is just misinformation to Pierre Polyev is delving into this, um, everything's broken. Politics of it, politics is is blah 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 blah. It's all superficial. All this government seems to be capable of is, is superficial strategy and narrative and and narrative building. And when they're good at narrative building. When you're when all you are is a comms guy, you're really good at talking about narratives, but you can't yeah. explain why hundreds of passengers were stuck on a train for a day. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. There's been just an absolute unwillingness by this government, really from its inception, to accept consequence and pos- and 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 responsibility for their own shortcomings. That has been. I mean, I think that that has been from day one. This government. It's just, it really, it was really interesting because I, I actually have a lot of time for analysis of political messaging and framing. Yeah, I mean, I that's really interesting stuff. I do a lot of that stuff too because I like, you spend a lot as much time watching the news as we do. You notice this stuff. But I just read that piece and the entire thing treated it, it was all. And remember, I've told you before that our politics has been memefied. So mm-hmm. something I come back to like a lot. Mm-hmm. And I just basically say like politics and governance are just, completely disconnected blobs maybe they loosely orbit each other but that's about it mm-hmm. this piece the this entire thing was the battle of the frames and the narrative and the messaging and there was and nothing in there was there like um like maybe the closest she would have come to it was when she was talking about the upcoming committees and it kind of acknowledging hey like there might be some bad news here but like if if you want to talk about the narrative that Canada is broken and you don't want to talk about the fact that I'm lucky enough to have a family doctor, but there's a four week like wait time to get a non-emergency appointment where we like supply chains are still screwed up where the government needed eight months to declare victory on passports, where we had a Tylenol panic. Um, Like I, 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 The idea that the Canada feels broken narrative is something that was dreamed up. Yeah, it's dreamed up. It's all, it's all just it's all just a misinformation ploy. Look look at look at our look at our 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 this Twitter account that says that we're the first in the world for everything. And then you look at like Twitter account and the source, and it's like it's based on a perception survey of ten thousand people globally. It's not based on any kind of substantive fact, like. So Canada's early next great. week, super, super awesome. Er, no problems. Early next week, we're going to have a piece uh, by Kristen Rowerth, and mm-hmm. it's going to be following up on a piece she wrote for us uh, last week, I think, where she took the government to task for appealing, ju- like kind of like arguing against sexual violence survivors in court. Mm-hmm. We had a great piece by Harrison uh, Roos this week on healthcare. 
mm-hmm. in this country. Uh, Raheem Muhammad later in the week for us talked about some of the failures of high profile cabinet ministers uh, who are probably being pushed forward for diversity uh, reasons rather than competence. In like, oh, we've got some other stuff coming in about about um, media, uh, the uh, o- online censorship, online also, content Milf moderation. Manor. So just up Milf there, Manor, keeping keeping guns. keeping keeping the uh, bar raised here yeah. at the line. So, all of these stories in the mix for us right now, a tiny little outlet. All of them calling attention to genuine policy problems we have in this country, or at least mm-hmm. uh, management problems. I don't I have a yeah. lot of appetite for talking about the framing of Canada is broken, but it has to be grounded in the reality that the liberals are not going to necessarily lose the next election because Pierre Polyev comes up with a frame. They're going to lose the next election because someone couldn't get a passport and missed a family wedding or couldn't also, get their hip it's, replaced it's, or it's couldn't also, get Tylenol. But it's also this. It's like these framings don't work unless they're rooted in some kind of reality. That's there the other go. thing. Yep. If Pierre Polyev started coming out tomorrow and his campaign was Manitobans are aliens. Yeah, that's that not that's not gonna work. You can't I mean, just you'd get, make you'd get people... the PPC vote. Yeah, but... well fair. But I mean this is this is the point. You can't just yes, of course, there's an art of manipulation, there's the art of of creating narrative like we all understand that there's an element of propaganda to all of this, but none of it works unless it's it rings true to the people you're trying to persuade. It has to ring true. That's why it's an effective frame. Well, I'll write. I'll write again. This is not about Althea. Like, I don't want to. No, no, no. Well, this is this is not a critique of her at all. Like this is this is straight up a. Con- that story is really useful because it gets you into the heads of the people who are making these decisions. But people who make those decisions are not the average voter. No, of course not. Well, that's all I got. I gotta. So I'm gonna have to work on this later because um, more hockey. Lucky you. Lucky me. Okay. Um, so let's just plan out who, who exactly writes what over uh, over email. But yep, that's all. It's actually it was a pretty quiet week up until today. So MILF Manor, baby, go for it. So, it's, it sounds really fun. Now, have you, Goodbye. You, you just gave up on everything? Life. Humanity. I just remind you, remember. Worse is always possible. The bar can always. There's always. There's no bottom. There is no bottom. There's no bottom. You know what my dad told me once? It's always Do darkest I... just before it gets darker. <laughs> we're cheerful. We're, it's, all, we're it's always darker right before it this becomes is, absolutely. This is pitch why black. This is why we don't get invited to parties anymore, Matt. In it. I get invited to parties once. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jen. Uh, I'll, I'll message you and we'll, we'll get this fired Yeah, up we've got right. a couple other things to chat about, but later right. after hockey. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Well, okay, folks, that is it for this latest episode of the Lions Experimental Podcast. By the time you're listening to this, I will probably be back at a hockey arena because that's just how I live now. So have an amazing weekend. Stay warm. Sleep in. That'd be nice. And we'll talk to you on Monday.